What is up, Bitcoiners? It's CK, and I have another episode of the Bitcoin Magazine podcast. This time, I sit down with longtime Bitcoin podcaster Anita Posh, a member of the Let's Talk Bitcoin podcast network, part of the BTC Media family. And she is here to talk to me about podcasting 2.0. For those of you not familiar with podcasting 2.0, it has been invented by the maker of the original podcasting format, Adam Curry. Adam is the first person to combine an RSS feed with MP3 files to create the phenomenon that is podcasting. He is known as the podcasting godfather, so or the podfather, if you will. And Nita goes down the new protocol that is podcasting 2.0 that leverages the Bitcoin Lightning Network in order to both podcast but integrate native payment and create a you know commercially viable for the creator system for podcasting that is both censorship resistant as well as commercially viable for podcasters. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this podcast about podcasting 2.0. Before we get into it, though, want to tell you guys about Bitcoin 2021 in Miami, June 4th and 5th. If you're interested in our VIP night, Whale Night, which is going to be June 3rd, the night before the conference, you need to go to b.tc backslash conference right now, guys. Bitcoin 2021, it's going to sell out. Everything is going to sell out. You heard it here first. It's going to sell out. It's kind of like Bitcoin. It's better to buy it now and be glad you have it when it moons than have it sell out and then be FOMOing and not able to get into the conference. So, you know, more than 50% sold out on the regular conference, more than 70% sold out on whale night. The after party is 100% sold out. Like, guys, it's we're selling out. This conference is selling out. It's going to be something absolutely, absolutely special. You can use promo code SATOSHI. That's all caps, SATOSHI in either OpenNode or Eventbrite to get 10% off. That is a special promo code only for Bitcoin Magazine listeners and readers. Use promo code Satoshi to get 10% off. Get your ticket now. Ticket prices are going up in 14 days and we are selling out. Don't be the sucker without a ticket. All right, let's get into this podcast with Anita Posh. Anita, welcome to the Bitcoin Magazine podcast. Really excited to have you. Hi, Christian. Thank you very much for the invitation. Yeah, absolutely. So for those who don't know you, Anita, why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Thanks. Yeah, my name is Anita Posch. I'm born in Austria and I still live here, but I think 2021 will see me going places, <laughs> meeting Bitcoiners all over the world. And yeah, I started as a web designer and e-commerce team lead basically 20 years ago. So I was there when the internet came to Austria and I got my first email account in, I think, 1995 or something. So I had this experience of dreaming and, and being fascinated by the open internet. That was the idea basically in the 90s. And so I started doing web design as a small business, as a solopreneur. And then I founded a small company in the space. And in 2006, we did an online marketplace for co-working spaces that was at the time where in Austria, nobody actually knew what a co-working space is. So we had the idea that people can share their office room with other people like small businesses 
and we built a platform for that. And also we built a online marketplace for designer goods, handmade designer goods, something like Etsy that was at the time, I think in 2009, when Satoshi worked on Bitcoin already, we were releasing an online marketplace in Austria. Yeah, as I said before, like Etsy. And all those years I was working in the e-commerce space and in the creative industry. And I was always interested in living a self-sustained life with my own small business. Of course, I also had to work in bigger companies. The, these were my last jobs in that way. So I was working for a wholesaler. We did a complete e-commerce setup reset. And that was interesting, but I also learned about the obstacles that you have in e-commerce with payment systems. Yeah, When we opened our online shop, we needed to pay about 2,000 euros upfront just to be able to use the payment provider services to accept credit cards. So that was before there was Stripe. And we, we had to struggle with all these, like, bureaucracy and red tape that there was. And therefore, I also was open for, for Bitcoin, I guess. So in 2015, I left my last employed job and decided I want to be self-employed again. I went to Berlin in 2016 to get a grip on what, what's new, what's going on. You know, Berlin is the startup center of Europe. And funnily enough, I didn't find uh, Bitcoin back then. <laughs> it took me to 2017. I mean, I can remember, I think in 2013 or something like that, I heard of Bitcoin. But as most of we us... We all have those I, experiences. We all had that. Went over right over your head. <laughs> exactly. I completely dismissed it because also this article that I read was like saying it's basically a new PayPal or, or a gaming money for nerds. And I thought, okay, um, I might be a nerd, but I don't do gaming and uh, I don't need another PayPal. And so it took me until 2017. Then I decided to go back to Vienna from Berlin. And in early 2017, I heard a talk by Shermin Foschengier about Bitcoin and blockchains. And it just blew my mind. And I thought, okay, wow, that's the space. That's the, the, the space where I want to build something, where I want to work again as a small business entrepreneur. And so that was basically the time when my journey started. And from then on, I, as all, as all the other guys and people did, I fell down the rabbit hole. You know, I was only reading and learning about Bitcoin all that time. And was learning a lot from, from podcasts, YouTube videos, Andreas Antonopoulos, of course. I Then there is a, a free MOOC on the University of Nicosia, a massive open online course. And I did that to educate myself about Bitcoin and blockchains. Yeah, I started doing talks, online workshops, like in, in Austria, mm -hmm. in Germany, and things like that. And from then... My podcast story basically begins because I thought, hey, a podcast Wait, before we get into the podcast story, yeah. how, how did, how, so you kind of, you know, you got orange pilled by this talk about Bitcoin and blockchain. You did some courses, you, you know, you self-educated yourself. 
how did you come to the conclusion that it was Bitcoin, not blockchain? Because, I mean, obviously you are a Bitcoiner and and you understand that there's a fundamental difference between blockchain experiments and, and Bitcoin itself. Yeah, I mean, the the... Of course, I, I had the same experience. I also bought, I think, Ethereum, Litecoin in 2017 because I didn't know better, you know. And um, But very early for me, I decided for me personally, as, a, as an educator, I cannot focus on so many different things. And for me, Bitcoin was the, the original. Bitcoin was the first system of its kind and it really was a, a technological breakthrough and i think nothing that came afterwards has topped that in any aspect you know i mean when now when i hear we built a better bitcoin i'm just like yeah okay i mean let's talk again in five years yeah i mean bitcoin is the only cryptocurrency that has this long history and also so many people, developers and very intelligent people working in the space for an, a, a, a motive that's more than I want to be rich. You know, these mm -hmm. people really want to change the world. And I think Bitcoin has the best properties from all open blockchains. I mean, maybe one day another open blockchain comes and has something better. But then still, I think that the Bitcoin community will integrate that. Yeah, I mean, Bitcoin is developed, but it's not over. It's in development all the time. And I like also the approach to, to go slow, but secure. And so, yeah, I think also the consensus model is is great and everybody mm -hmm. who says bitcoin is not decentral is not decentralized it's not true it's decentralized yeah so it's overwhelming decentralization <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and it's really the only cryptocurrency that gives those values or properties like being uncensorable being open permissionless to to the peop the, the the people globally and yeah. i believe in this money from the people for the people. That's my my basic interest in that whole thing. Yeah, no, that I, I like that take a lot. And I mean, Bitcoin is the impotence for all the other things to be built. You know, they, yeah, they, they exactly. can't they cannot overtake Bitcoin because they need Bitcoin. They it's Bitcoin enables them. Yeah, exactly. It's the origin. And I also don't like these takes like to take the name of Bitcoin and build something different and say it's Bitcoin. I mean, it's not Bitcoin, you know, you're free to choose the name because <laughs> there's no trademark on it. But I don't think that's an honest thing to do. No, no, absolutely not. And but with that being said, Bitcoin is like this open permissionless thing. So it does demand some a little bit more, I guess, personal responsibility, self-education. So, you know, you don't have any like protective trademarks or anything like that to stop you from being fooled, right? So you need, yourself need to not be a fool in order to exactly. kind of safely navigate through the Bitcoin space. Anita, let's talk about the Anita show. And after that, you know, the impotence for you coming on this show, which is podcasting 2.0, the future of podcasts, which is being driven by Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, okay. So I started podcasting in 2018 because I thought it would be a good marketing channel for me to promote my seminars and my book. I wrote a beginner's book uh, in German for how to hold and safely use Bitcoin. 
And I had the opportunity or the luck to, to speak with Andreas Antonopoulos in Vienna in 2018. And also I met Seyftin Amos, who presented his book, The Bitcoin Standard, at Bitcoin Austria, in, which is a nonprofit organization in Austria, supporting the like distribution of knowledge about Bitcoin. And I'm also a board member there. So we had safety in, in our room and I asked him afterwards if he would do an interview with me. And also Andreas said yes. So that was basically a big start. Yeah. <laughs> the first two episodes with those guys. And from then on, I I also had the feeling that was the time in 2018, we were in the bear market again. And the interest from people to be educated about Bitcoin really declined. And I also realized the companies that paid me for talks, they were only interested in blockchain. And I was like, I don't want to talk about blockchain. I want to talk about Bitcoin. Bitcoin is the thing, you know. And so I decided, okay, maybe I can earn a living through podcasting. And that's why I focused on it. And my podcast has the goal to educate the general public about Bitcoin. So I try to be not too technical with my guests. And also it's for Bitcoiners because I think I, I bring in new faces, people from all over the world. I had a special about Zimbabwe and Africa, Africa last year. And I think I focus a lot on things that are left out otherwise. No, absolutely. And I'm a big fan and listener of the Anita Paz show, formerly Bitcoin and Co. But one of my favorite things about your show is that you go out of your way to curate and find the voices that aren't heard that are using Bitcoin in Africa across the world. And I know you've even highlighted folks in LATAM as well. So, you know, you've done a lot of work and kind of, you know, I feel like a lot of Bitcoiners, they only see part of Bitcoin and you are showing them the other sides of Bitcoin that they're not seeing. And it's just so important to get a complete picture. Yeah, I think it's incredibly important to tell also the stories of people in Zimbabwe or now I've coming up a show about Bitcoin in Afghanistan and in Pakistan and to tell the stories of the people who really need it. You know, we are always talking about how the price will rise and what the big companies do, what the traders do. For me, that's not the interesting part. For me, the interesting part is really the, 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 the Bitcoin that enables supporting human rights and free speech and business for people who are otherwise completely unbanked and left out of our system. And I think that's a very important part of Bitcoin. And I want to show that. Yeah, Bitcoin says yes when everything else says no. Bitcoin wins at the margin. Bitcoin serves the margin. Like if you are interested in seeing where Bitcoin is dominating, it's there. Yeah, yeah. And it's for everybody, you know, everybody can use it. And that's the great thing about it. You don't need an ID yet. <laughs> and I hope it stays that way. Well, never for the Bitcoin blockchain, right? But they're going to try to put up their walls, right? And exactly. We, I think there's a good place to kind of segue into podcasting 2.0. Just earlier this week, we're seeing calls from AP News saying that American, ex you know, ex domestic extremists are using podcasts as a loophole around the, the thought policing across all tech and media that's happening right now. 
you know, I'm not trying to make a comment on this, you know, what is being censored, but I'm making comment more on censorship in general and calls for censorship and kind of blocking down these forms of communication. Podcasting inherently by itself is a relatively decentralized and third party free medium, but there definitely are 30 third parties in the original spec. Can you talk to us about podcasting, podcasting's history, why podcasting 2.0 is created? Yeah, sure. So you're right. Podcasting, I think, is one of the last pillars of digital independence. You know, on the one hand side, you have email. You can host your own domain. You don't need to use Gmail. I mean, yeah, it's easy. It's cheap. But actually, you can do that on your own with other means. Then you have your you can have your own website. I can remember in 2010 people telling me, "Oh, I don't need a website. I have a Facebook site." Yeah, haha. But this Facebook site can be gone like this. And also the the third part or this third pillar of digital independence is podcasting because I host my podcast on my own web hosting service. Most of the Bitcoin podcasters and I wonder why that is host on Anchor or Libsyn or other big podcasting services, which I understand because it's convenient to do that. But on the other hand, if Libsyn decides they don't want to have Bitcoin podcasts anymore, then they turn you off. Yeah, But my podcast, I would need, so the company is in Germany that's hosting my, my website and my podcast. So basically they would need a, a decision from the court or something that they should shut down my podcast. So in my instance, it can't happen that they just turn me off like that because I'm not only on Facebook or in any closed garden of these big companies. And that's the great thing about podcasting. But more and more, as we see with Spotify, for instance, with these deals, Joe Rogan is only exclusively on Spotify, also Michelle Obama and all other people. We, we are seeing these walled gardens also coming into the podcast space. And I think that's dangerous because, of course, then podcasts can be censored too and not censored by a general consensus, but censored by the tech companies. And I think that's the big problem because there are rules about free speech. You cannot say everything by law. So I think the big problem with all this deplatforming is that the big tech companies suddenly decide what is free speech and what is okay and what is not okay to say. Well, it's not about free speech. For them, it's about liability. So it's a completely different yeah. it's a completely different legal consideration. They're not considering free speech. They're considering will the government come down on me for any liability based on what's put out here and it's just easier to turn off than to deal with the problem or whatever. Yeah, that's true, but basically I think there should be another this this should be another kind of content moderation where we have agree on a consensus in a way. I mean, I know this is something it's a big problem. I won't solve that, <laughs> but I just think it's not okay that way. And also in podcasting, we have this model that I mean, many podcasters do it just for fun or on the side and they don't need or want to earn anything with doing a podcast. I see it as a business. It uh, pays my rent. And then you have sponsors, of course. And those sponsors 
tend to get more professionalized and they also want more than of you, you know. For instance, I read from a podcasting network, they were in the US from, they were founded in 2015 and they built a real podcasting network and thought, wow, that's great, our business model is working. And they say on their website in 2018, the sponsors wanted ever more, you know, they wanted more return on investment. They wanted more data about their listeners and they wanted more decision in the content that was hosted on the podcast. And in 2020, these fellas shut their company down because of that. So basically every sponsorship can be a form of censorship. That's the way Adam Curry phrases it. Because if, for instance, I would say something that annoys many, many people, then those many, many people could go to my sponsors and say, hey, you shouldn't sponsor her because she's saying this and that, and we don't like that. I think that happened a lot of times to Peter McCormick from the What Bitcoin Did show. And so basically, all those ads... They are not good for the listeners and also not good for the hosts. And the podcasting 2.0 model has the idea of you only pay what you like to pay for that, what, what you take value, you know, like it's called the value from value model. So if you like my podcast, you can pay me, you can donate. And in podcasting 2.0, this is enabled with Bitcoin payments over the Lightning Network. So basically, you listen to a podcast and at the same time, you stream money to the host. And you can also, that's the fascinating thing about, you can also automatically pay the developers of the app or your co-host or anybody you like, you know? And this is everything working automatically. And I think that's a great way to go forward for content creators, not only in podcasting, but also in other spaces of digital content creation. Yeah. So I think that's the way to go. So, I mean, kind of talking about podcasting 2.0 in practice, you know, what did, what does it look like right now? Personally, I'm on Sphinx Chat. It's a beta app by Paul Ito. Bitcoin Magazine has a small community there. The Bitcoin Magazine podcast pumps into there. People are joining, people are streaming sats, giving boosts, but kind of curious for the people who are just hearing about this right now, like they're like, oh my gosh, podcast 2.0. Like, can you tell us a little bit more about like, you know, how to actually get involved? Yeah. I mean, I would say it's something more for Bitcoin enthusiasts and people who've al who have a le at least a little knowledge about how to install st stuff, how to use code a little bit, because basically you need a lightning node. There are Two possibilities or more than two, but the basic possibility is one, you can rent a lightning node from Sphinx, from the guys who make the Sphinx app, or you can use your own lightning node that you have at home and you connect it to the Sphinx app on your phone. So you need to install the Sphinx relay server on the lightning node, on your lightning node, and then you can connect the Sphinx app to the lightning node, and then you can basically join a tribe. A tribe is, as you said, a group of people. It's basically a group chat because the Sphinx app is a chat app on the lightning network. So basically we can 
talk over the Lightning Network with each other and at the same time send sats like if you write something that I find amusing and like a lot, I could send you a hundred sats only with clicking a button on my phone. And the same with podcasting, you join a tribe. There's a website called tribes.sphinx.chat where you can see a list of all the Sphinx tribes that are there at the moment. I think it's about 100, 130 when I looked the last time. And then you can click on it and then you see a QR code, you scan it, uh, you pay the small fee that might be there because the host can say, okay, I want people to pay maybe a hundred sats or a thousand sats to enter my tribe because I don't want to have spammers here or something like that. And then you can listen to the podcast and you can decide by yourself if you want to pay. You don't have to, but if you want to, you can also decide how much you want to pay Per minute. Yeah, you can say, for instance, I want to send 99 sats every minute of listening. Then while you're listening, the money is automatically sent to my node in that case. Yeah, yeah. I mean, let's just, you know, preface that we are very much in the experimental and enthusiast UX stage of this, but the fact that this is happening is exciting because you know let's let's fast forward two years you know where is this going to be there's going to this inf- this chat infrastructure is going to probably be a one click install on every single lightning node instance you know so if you're downloading a lightning node you're automatically getting this lightning chat and you're automatically getting this content distribution that is you know more that's monetizable via Bitcoin. It's not monetizable by advertisers, not monetizable in different ways. So it is very bullish to see this infrastructure get rolled out. Yeah, that's the one thing where it's very early. That's true. And the other thing is we are not dependent on Sphinx app in that case. So it's a decentralized app. So everybody can basically build a app like that. So I think innovation has is really going on here because everybody can do it. It's not relying on Sphinx alone. It's yeah. a, and also and also the, the podcast index, which is the website and the database that Adam Curry has set up, will be open for everybody all the time. So they don't censor podcasts or podcast feeds. Can we talk about Adam Curry a little bit? For those of you who don't know who he is, he's kind of like the godfather of podcasting. He's also a hardcore freedom fighter and now Bitcoiner. And he's, you know, now pushing this podcasting 2.0 and kind of, you know, this freedom of speech and podcasting movement. Can you kind of talk about what he's doing, how he's involved in this? Yeah, I think as far as I know, he was the guy who in 2005 or something like that, was called by Steve Jobs and to to come to talk with him about podcasting. And I think it was Adam who basically invented podcasting in a way, so who had the idea to combine MP3s with RSS feeds. And they Adam had a database of podcasts around that time, and he gave it to Apple when they started their iPod and all the podcasts, because, I mean, Apple was the first company or was the first big podcast movement, started the podcast movement. 
And I think in the last years, Adam saw that Apple might also be tinkering with the podcast feeds that are in the database. And also just today, I read that uh, Apple might be also starting like a, an exclusive podcast service. So basically that you also have to pay for podcasts. And I think it was Adam's idea together with Dave Jones, who is a developer, to build this new podcast index. And they are also contributing to the podcast space insofar that they are building or working on new namespace conventions for the podcast RSS feeds to be like to insert also a, a, a tag that enables the podcaster to say, A, I have a podcast that it's that is going to be monetized with uh, Bitcoin. So in my RSS feed, I now have a name, a name tag that is called podcast value and podcast value recipient. And the guys are working on that. And as far as I know, they also, they also have a podcast about it and they encourage everyone to come and contribute to the space, to the podcasting index work and to podcasting 2.0. And Adam is really driving this development together with Paul that you who you mentioned before and to to enable a decentralized and self-sustained podcasting ecosystem in the future. So how does Adam plan to get his podcast index adopted, right? Because I mean, for those of you familiar with like a DNS server, that's kind of like what that's kind of what a uh, podcast index is. It's just a place to see you know, what, where all the podcasts are or where are all the RSS feeds that are streaming these MP3s. And you kind of need an Apple or someone else to start using that or reference that for it to kind of get network effects. Is that correct or no? I'm honestly not sure if I would need that because, I mean, I can look up the podcast index and search for podcasts. I can then take the RSS feed and put it into my podcast player so basically, I see it as a source for podcasts, a, a backup in a way, maybe of uh, podcast RSS feeds. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not informed about that, how they want to go forward there. Gotcha. Maybe I should get him on and, and ask him about those strategic questions. Awesome. Well, I kind of want to pivot the conversation and talk a little bit more holistically, right? I feel like if you were to zoom out about podcasting 2.0, Bitcoin and in general, it's really about self-hosting. And this is something that you mentioned about, you know, I'm Bitcoin Magazine is not self-hosting this podcast. We use Libsyn. That's our service provider. You are self-hosting your podcast. Can you talk about self-hosting and like what that means for like the future of a more decentralized and censorship resistant internet? Yeah, I think it's very important. I mean, and and we see more and more services coming up like Mastodon, for instance, the, the Twitter alternative. Yeah, you can take a the Mastodon software, go to your uh, web server, install it, and you have your own kind of Twitter on your server that you can open for everybody. That's, for instance, a, a, a method to decentralize communication and to free it from these big companies. In, in podcasting, actually, it's very easy. I don't know why more people don't do that. I mean, I have a WordPress website on my web server 
And there is a WordPress plugin that's called Podlove. And I use it to host my podcast on my server. So my MP3 files for the podcast are on my web, web server. And I integrate the RSS feed to um, Apple Podcasts, to Pocket Casts, to, to all the other podcast player, players out there. And they then fetch the MP3 from my web server. And that's basically also the way how I can know how many downloads I had for, from, for, for my website episodes. And there are also in video, for instance, it's important to decentralize video. I hope we see in the future more and more decentralized video services. I think today there are some called library, BitChute, yeah, and also uh, what happened recently, the announcement of WhatsApp that they are going to send user data to Facebook. That was not very well received. And I think the great thing is that people now realize, I mean, people outside this Bitcoin privacy interest space, that it's not great the place where we are now. Yeah. So that basically every big tech company knows everything about you, where you go, what you do, with whom you talk. And I think many people really, and we saw it when Signal went down, millions of people changed to use Signal, which I think is a great sign for the future. I think going forward in 10 years, we might look back and say, how has it happened that we let them have all of our data because with with bitcoin and decentralized technologies it will be possible or it's already possible to own your own data you know i think we need decentralized profiles so that we are not walled in in like on whatsapp and on facebook and on twitter and when they even uh, signal right now we're still a little walled in granted you know phone numbers is kind of their standard exactly. but still their their walled garden exactly that's true yeah so it needs to be even more decentralized and I think it would be great if we as, as individuals would have the possibility with our private keys for our social identity to move from service to service like yep. we want to, yeah, and, and to get our data and to control who can read which kind of data of my life or, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that the world through pain and experiences figuring out what you're talking about, but I think Bitcoin is a huge catalyst here. Like I keep pushing out this idea, Bitcoin fixes this by breaking this, but like sometimes Bitcoin just straight fixes this by solving a problem. But sometimes Bitcoin's existence breaks our current system. Like the way that we're doing security on the internet is just not sufficient for Bitcoin stuff. Like Bitcoin, if you need to protect a secret, you need far, far more robust security. So anything that is less than that is and is handling Bitcoin is going to get wrecked. So I feel like, you know, in terms of like hosting your own Bitcoin stuff, in terms of like that helping you host your own you know, email server, your own whatever, like I, I definitely feel like Bitcoin is definitely a, a catalyst there, which is, is exciting I, to me. I agree completely because also the learning in Bitcoin that you only own Bitcoin when you have the private keys is essential, I think, because it also shows people that they only own their data when they have the keys to their data. And also what you said about security, yes, and people, and also me, 
I learned so much in the last three years about computer security, using a burner phone, using uh, different email addresses for my personal security, and even more with the recent ledger hack. I mean, wow. Factor authentication. Exactly. And all that stuff. Yeah. And it's so important and it will raise the level of online security in general. Because if people take more care of their computer systems and their internet security because they want to secure their Bitcoin, then the the level of security has to rise in a way. And I hope that also many people get more and more educated about phishing and all those tactics to to get your money. Yep, yep. It's it's funny how like simple things can make you exponentially harder to attack, right? Like using mm-hmm. different emails, having a password manager, using app-based two-factor authentication or a YubiKey, like things like that. Even here's one in America, you can put a a pin on your SIM card or your virtual SIM card. So if someone switches or turns off your phone, they have to put in the pin to activate the SIM. Otherwise, and it it locks out. And guess what? They all every every SIM card has a default pin password of zero 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 zero, and mm-hmm. the password is set to off. You know, all you have to do is turn that on, change the password to something that you know, and then all of a sudden you can't be trivially SIM swapped, no matter what the provider does. Like these small little things make you so much more anti fragile, and Bitcoin definitely teaches you that. Mm, exactly, that's true. Yeah. So Anita, I feel like this is a good place to kind of wrap up the podcast. This is a great time for your last word. This is a chance for you to kind of give your final message to the Bitcoin Magazine audience and plug yourself. Oh, yeah. Great. Thanks for that. Yeah, please come and listen to my podcast. I think I have very, very interesting stories to tell and my guests. And I'm also doing more educational stuff now on my video on on YouTube, like doing tutorials on how to use a wallet securely and stuff like that. And I also have Anita's Weekly. Every Friday, I send out a short email with the best stories of the week in Bitcoin. From my point of view, that can be something funny, a funny quote, or just interesting stories and educational content. And yeah, you can find my podcast and me at anitaposch.com. That's posh with a C in between the S and the H. Thanks for having me. It was great. Yeah, absolutely. And guys, make sure to hit up Anita. Anita, you should create some self-hosting and Sphinx chat tutorials as well. I feel like that would be greatly appreciated by the Bitcoin community. I actually have a YouTube video, a presentation of podcasting 2.0 with Sphinx and Lightning Note, how to set that up on my YouTube channel. Awesome. Okay, Bitcoiners. Well, if you like what we talked about, make sure to check that out. And Anita, again, thank you for coming on. Bitcoiners, make sure to self-host, run a node, figure out how you can self-host more of your life. Bitcoin Magazine is about to start hosting a Mastodon instance, and we've started posting our content there. And yeah, I mean, it's exciting to see the buildup of the self-hosted future. So make sure to follow me at CK underscore snarks. Make sure to follow the podcast at Bitcoin Magazine. Go to BitcoinMagazine.com. And yeah, peace, love, and have a good one, y'all. Bye. A quick reminder that all of the content in this episode is for informational and entertainment purposes only. 
You should not construe the information as legal, tax, investment, financial, or any other advice. Nothing contained in this presentation constitutes a solicitation, recommendation, or offer by BTC Media, the Let's Talk Bitcoin Podcast Network, or any third-party service provider to buy or sell securities or any other financial instruments. Do your own research.